Oh, g'day, ladies and gents. Matty Michael here for Life of Mine. We've got another little special episode today with one of the legends of the mining industry, the WA mining industry specifically, recently retired, Barry Upton, ex-managing director of Ruck. And we got Baz along today to discuss what life is like after mining. What's the adjustment like? Bit of a reflection on his career, bit on his personal life, bit of a trip down memory lane. So I hope you all enjoy it. Absolute gentleman of a bloke. Thanks for coming on, Baz. Let's get into a bit of Baz's retirement. Check in the portal. Copy, ship boss. I got a radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy all personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. The chair in the vet bag. Yeah, stitch her up, then. Thanks, mate. Yeah, right, Copy that. Can you... Can you do a poem off by heart? Oh, bro. Oh, just in case. I reckon you better lead out with it. You want me to? Why not? What better of an introduction than a poem? Well, I did one. I wrote one about my time airlegging on the Golden Mile. Yeah. Mm. These were the um, the LinkedIn sensations you put out, didn't you? Well, I don't know if they were sensations, Matt. But in my world, they were, Buzz. Yeah. So, so I so I do a bit of poetry just when I feel like it. How, how before you read it, how'd that sort of little hobby come about? Um, I th- I've always probably been pretty good with words and writing letters and, you know, in, in work. And then uh, we went to a trip, on a trip to Canada, and we, we were on the Rocky Mountaineer, and they had a competition to write a poem about the trip, and I ended up winning winning that competition <laughs> on the train. Um, so I've, I don't know, I've just always been okay with words. I mean, it's at the end of the day, though, it's what the people that listen to it think, not what you think, because, yeah. of course, you think everything you think you do is fantastic. But um, no, it's just I think it's a way for me to capture some of that um, career, in a sense. So I did, you know, so, but some days like uh, we were away golfing the other week and um, one of the guy's partners said, oh, would you write a poem? And I said, oh, yeah, I suppose I could. And you give me the subject. So she gave, gave me the subject that I wrote it the next morning before golf and then read it out that day. So it's just something. So you can whip them out quick. Yeah, it's just something that's a bit of fun, that's all. Yeah, right oh, take it but away. I, I don't get very I don't get bored that much, so <laughs> I probably need I did this one on the train yeah. coming back from Diggers, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Air Leaking on the Mile. And I have to read it, so I don't know it by heart. Yeah. So I'll I'll do my best. Well, it's been a long while since I was air legging on the mile. Back in the eighties before the super pit. We worked bloody hard. We gave it shit. The mines were all shafts. We were good at our crafts. Some were better than others, some were the best. They got the good jobs, they passed the test. And then there were the grafters, the blokes like me, who just had a crack, often working for free. If you didn't get your cuts, there was no pay. So we toiled and toiled day after day. Not that I'm complaining because the shifts were short and weekends were dedicated to family or sport. Some miners, they were committed to their craft. They drilled in the comps. I thought they were daft. After throwing the shit stick around day after day, this was m- not my idea of hobby or play. The money was good, the money was right, but the big boss, he was so tight. We loved to argue over our grizzled slip. Don't rip a man off, I'll give you the tip. There were some hard bastards, that's for sure, and lazy bastards just crying poor. 
We worked alone, that's what we enjoyed. It is the way it was, how we were employed. We had our visitors, don't get me wrong. Sometimes the shift bosses interrupted me in song. For I loved my time on the drill. It built resilience, fitness and skill. Mining your own drive or stoke, man, that was the dope. Being your own boss, getting paid what you earned, many a costly, costly lesson was learned. Do the job right, do it once, and don't skip holes, you stupid dunce. <laughs> if the cut didn't pull, you were the fool. Fix it yourself, there was no one to blame. That's how we became top of our game. The mine foreman, he was a good bloke, but he didn't care if you went broke. The geos, they were much the same. If you went off the oar, you were to blame. The sampler, he was our best mate. But don't muck about, I'm going to be late. The cut, she had to hit the deck. There was no other way. Because one thing for sure, it was there the next day. The cross shift was a rare event. No one to blame, no one to vent. No way to vent. The shift boss was a lamp carrier. But that's okay, it was no barrier. Sometimes they brought up your gear. Just bundle it up and leave it near. A lot of gear we had to lug up to our job. No service crew, no other mob. For me, it wasn't work, it was fun. But thanks to the effort, my knees are done. <laughs> Those were the days of wooden head frames and steel men. And many's the day I remember when I was air-legging on the mile, even though it's been a while. How good's that? <laughs> I, remember, I remember that one on LinkedIn. I think you yeah, put, I did it put it out. that on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. tribute to Eric. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. I don't know how Eric's going. I think he's out of hospital, but I haven't, yeah. I haven't actually I'm heard from him for a bit. buzz. Shout yeah. out to Eric if you're listening, mate. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's very uh, it, it good flow. There's a good flow. You do have a bit of a knack for no, it. I don't know. That's just something. <laughs> does, it, does it take many iterations, or you can uh, you can pump one, you get it out first um, go? No, I'd probably wrote that in about twenty minutes, and that's oh geez, that's the final version. So. Jeez, we're we're yeah. in presence of a poetry no, I genius. Don't think, mate. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so right, but, so we got you on to talk talk Baz's retirement. Yeah. As you said, it took us about. Nearly three hours to go through your yeah. 40, 40 year career, so we should get over, um, get through your one year retirement <laughs> yeah, in ten sure. minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the transition, mate. When well, when did you actually officially retire? Yeah, so it's um, it's fourteenth of January is one year since my last day of work. Okay, so it's been a year, nearly a year already. Yeah. Yeah, and what's that year feel like? Well, I'm fitter, I'm healthier, I'm happier. Um, yeah, so I really, really enjoyed the year. Um, so far, no regrets whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. What about, and you were talking about it before, so give a bit of context for everyone that probably did it in the intro. So Barry, so you managing director of RUC, very yeah. high performance, high intensity position, multi multinational contractor, then, but you also on the board for the mining WA mining club on the committee yeah. on the committee sorry yeah um and is as you said did you is the mining club was that a you know a bit of a transition mechanism out of the mining industry but still feeling like you were a part of it and keeping uh, in touch in a way yeah i think it's a good platform to keep in touch with people i probably would never see ever again you know um it's also good in a sense i'm giving back a bit by running particularly the scholarship program so getting to interact with undergraduates studying mining, geology, metallurgy, uh, enviros, HSC, all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's, that's you know, a bit of a way of me giving back to the industry, I suppose, running that scholarship program. We have a really good 
scholarship program. We awarded 11 scholarships, 10K each, and I think we ended up with 111 applications, interviewed 25 or so. So it's a, it's a, that's, that was really quite rewarding. And meeting the young people coming through, um, you know, older people tend to kind of dismiss the younger generation as maybe, you know, not having much to contribute. But I, I was very much encouraged by the quality of the people coming through. So that was, that was really good for me. Um, yeah, and the mining club, you know, um, the committee meets once a month. We have a lunch once a month. Uh, it's kind of good. It does keep me a little bit relevant with the industry. It's, you know, it's not because I want to maintain contact to get back in to a full-time job. But uh, like I said, at the beginning, it's a good way to see people I wouldn't otherwise see. Did you? I've talked to a few guys that have um, retired. Yeah. And I rang one. Specifically, I'm like, hey, yeah, mate, there's a time. He says, oh, everyone's bloody forgotten about me. You're the only bloke that still calls me. <laughs> is is there an element of that once you do walk away? I suppose you're in the very early stage of it. Um, do you feel like you lose touch with a lot of the, I guess, a bit of the industry goss and and certain people within it once you do step away? There's probably probably several ways that I don't lose contact. So um, one's the mining club. The second is I still, you know, um, correspond with the, the guys from Ruck uh, on a semi-regular basis. I drop in there every now and again, um, just say good day, uh, and and then through the golf club that I play with, there's uh, probably there'd be four, five guys that are that I've brought to the club from the mining kind of side of the business, um, and so. You know, I tend to find out what's going on through those through those avenues, and sometimes you know they ask my opinion on certain things. So, hmm. so I think I think when the you know when you retire, you have to have a bit of a semblance of a plan of how you're going to fill your days and how you're going to fill your week and your year. Um, like you know, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm going to go travelling," but Myself and, the, and my wife, we haven't really felt like travelling and, and certainly international travel hasn't felt attractive because I guess there's still that COVID kind of hanging over us all. Um, plus, we've provided a lot of support to our daughter with the grandson, so we've, we have the grandson a lot. Um, and so, you know, that there's there's many things to keep me busy grandsons one golfs one mining clubs one aspect of it uh love my gardening so you know i can happily spend a couple hours a day in the garden no worries at all uh, and then this time of year i'll get together with my mates and we'll go crabbing at least once a week on the river um and then um yeah that kind of fills up Feels like work. I do a lot more cooking and things like that nowadays, so I do a bit around the house. Um, my mum's getting on, so a bit of time with her. I've got an auntie, she needs a lot of support, so go and help her out a bit. She's up in Kalamunda, so like next week I'm taking to two different specialists, so there's like nearly two days gone because uh, by the time I drive up to Kalamunda and back and or to the appointment, which is in the city, and then back, drop her home, take her for a shop, and then come back again. 
you know, you burnt this part of the day. So, um, yeah, I think when was it? Um, oh, yeah, New, New Year's Eve. <laughs> we didn't see the New Year in and probably went to bed about 10, slept in, slept till probably 7.30. And that was the first day that I can remember where we hadn't got out of bed by 6 or before 6. In that whole previous year? Yeah. Well, not in the whole year, but it, certainly for the last month or something. So, yeah. I don't know. This time of year, you like to get up early and take the call of the day. So, yeah. When you when you said before that, as you since you retired, you you're happier. One being one key thing, with the no regrets. So before you did retire, oh, were you? I guess were you, were you happy? Were you unhappy? Not as happy? Was it? Yeah. What was the mind state? Oh, like? I was. I wasn't unhappy, but. Um, you, you know, the, you can read in the paper every day somebody who died before their time, you know, through illness or, or whatever, or tragedy or whatever. And you know, I'd had I'd had both knees replaced a couple of years ago, and and I thought, well, yeah, you know, the body's starting to let me down a bit. So I didn't want to be one of these guys that. You know, worked till I was 70 and then had a year of retirement and fell off the perch or or even worse didn't didn't get to spend quality time particularly with with the grandson mm. um while you're still fit enough to 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 go and be active with him so on Mon we had him Monday so I, I went I went down the pool I think we were in the water for two hours down the pool just playing around and you know that's not something that I'd get the opportunity to do while I was at work, so I wasn't I wasn't unhappy at work, and but it was more of a it's time to while I'm still relatively young and relatively fit, make sure that I invest in the family, mm. and and because at the end of the day, you know when you're on when you're on your last legs, pretty much all you got is family, right? As sad as that is, it's just a just a fact of life. So, so I didn't want to be that person that missed the opportunity, and and you've had a career change, and so I think you can understand exactly where I'm coming from. Mm. You know, and with my kids, I was always so busy, and I, people often said to me, well, "How often are you away?" I said, oh, "I think I'm probably away four days a week on average," and you know that was the case for as long as I can remember. So. My oldest daughter, I think I missed her first 16 birthdays. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, so it's, it's, I didn't want to do that with, with the grandkids, and we've only got the one, but hopefully we'll get some more. Um, yeah, and, and I think that society and needs grandparents passing on knowledge to their grandkids because often the parents are that busy that they don't they don't really get the time to quality time to spend with them teaching them stuff. It, it seems like a common a common theme in mining, especially high up management yeah. per, people personnel. They uh, get to the end, and also I spoke to someone one day. I think it was Stan Gilman actually, mm. and he's like, he says, "Yeah, I missed it, missed it with me with my children because he's building his business and did his business, and but now he's doing it." With the grandkids, make it making up with the grandkids. Um, yeah, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Unfortunately. Yeah, so there's probably pos 
probably a couple of ways you can go about life, if you like. And I'm not a philosopher, but I'll just since we're having a chat, um, you you can work hard and earn good money and and save and be not frugal but be responsible and have a su- sufficient asset base that you can retire a bit early, or you can take a career where you know maybe you work four days a week and but you don't earn big money and you don't um, necessarily put in the hard yards. And I know people, I'm not saying no, people don't work hard if they're doing that four days a week, but some choices you make. Mm. So when, you know, I think I, when I was speaking to you last time, we talked about we travelled where the job was and we lived where the job was and my wife travelled with me and she got a job and all those sorts of things. And that allowed us to, to put a bit aside and... Um, so you think back on your career and you think, was it right to do it that way, bearing in mind how much time I didn't spend with the kids when they were growing up? Like I think I went to two sports carnivals, for example, in the entirety of my three kids' schooling. Mm-hmm. Um, and in retrospect, and my wife agrees with me this, with this now, it was better to, to get a stable financial platform to support an early retirement, to then spend the time, the quality time with the family while you can. Because you're you've you've seen, you have retired early essentially, haven't you? No, I was fifty nine. Yeah. So that and that's pretty early these it days. Seems to be early. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my old man was forty five, but yeah. you know, um, he uh, he had a farm. He sold the farm through mm. poor health. So and that and that and he'd worked really hard to pay it off. So he didn't have any debt, and he had a nice good sale price you know so and then he invested it wisely and um he did a bit selling a bit of real estate doing a bit of real estate a bit of this a bit of that but uh essentially playing bowls and a few other things but um so i think so it wasn't his plan that was he was driven to that by his help but um yeah maybe it's young maybe it's i mean if you go to indonesia right compulsory retirement 55 oh really yeah yeah, why is that? Oh, I think because it gives the younger people an opportunity. For right? employment opportunity. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Italy's like, goodness me, I, I can't remember the exact details, but if you worked for 20 years, you can probably retire on full pension from the government at 75% of your wage. Or so. It's oh. it's really generous, When but then you look at Italy and they're struggling a bit economically, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so it's not early in world terms, but probably for Australia, people think it is. Yeah. When did you did you have fifty nine on the radar for a while, or this sort uh, of come to fruition, getting closer to the time? I had fifty eight. Oh yeah, one thing got if the share market does what it's supposed to, I'm going thirty seven. I want two years. Well, what's yeah. the share market going to do, Matt? It needs to go up shitloads, especially labyrinth and, resources. And what does <laughs> Uh, I think the predictions are not that favourable, to no, be honest. No, that's it. That's it. But who knows? I'm a 10-year guy or whatever. The share market yeah. does what the share market does. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, what was the question again? Yeah, did you, did you have that – was that number, that 59 before 60 in your head for a while? Or I'd given a date of- and it was June 30, 2022, and I extended that date by six months because it was – some um, refinancing and a few other things that I wanted to get sorted out before I stepped away. 
so that I could leave it as best as I could for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, um, through the first year of COVID was pretty hard and affected us financially quite significantly, as well as uh, one bad contract. Um, you know, and, and as a result of that, one, one bad year and all the banks run for the hills, you know. So we had to. I had to get that all back in line and get a good order book up, and 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 I wanted to get the training academy finished, which we pretty much did, and ran a first class through there for for the project of Cosmos. Post retirement, you would have had a lot of time for uh, reflection, I yeah. assume, on on numerous aspects your 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 career as yeah. a as a mining engineer and a manager, well, yeah. mostly a manager, yeah. a husband, a father. Yeah. Go through each of them and give you. I guess give yourself a bit of a rating. I'm okay. sure you've done it already. Well, well, as as a mining engineer, as a uh, technical specialist, probably didn't spend much time in that space in terms of mine design or, or you know, I, I I didn't sit in front of a computer and do you know do a, a model in two four D or, or or whatever. Um, I've forgotten most of the software now. Oh, you got one. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah you done well there. Um, <laughs> but that was because there's two streams you can take, right? You can take the, the I'm going to be an engineer's engineer and I'm going to be a designer. Or, or you can go, well, I've got my engineering degree to get my first class ticket and I'm going to be a manager. Um, so and bring it back to your original episode. You're, you're a manager, very young, yeah. Like essentially, early twenties, yeah, you were yeah, running yeah, jobs, which was, which was, you know, probably happenstance as much as anything. But yeah. I guess, um, you know, that's what I think lacks nowadays. If you see the potential in somebody, does age is no barrier, mm. but now it tends to be, oh, they haven't got enough experience, or they haven't got this, or they haven't got that. That's not always the case. Um, so, as a, so, but as a mining engineer, if you wanted to ask me, you know, how to sink a shaft or how to mine a stope or drill a cut or, or, um, do a raised bore or any of the doing part of it or, or block cave mining or sub level, I, I mean, you know, I, I could certainly sit on any, forum and contribute expertise in that regard but if you said can you then go and put together on a computer model no that, that wasn't that wasn't i mean we didn't have computers right mm. so um i think the first computer i saw was in probably 89 no no 91 well, first, it filled a room, eh? first, first no it didn't but it was the first time i'd used a personal computer PC, yeah. What about as a manager? Uh, and don't be modest. How do you you'd sort of look back on everything you put into your businesses that you uh, were accountable for okay. when the buck stopped with you? Yeah. How do you look back on all that? I, th I think um, I'm pretty well regarded in that space. Um, you know, you, there's managers and then there's leaders, and if you can be both at the same time, then I think that's where you want to want to be. Um, and a, and a good manager is both a good manager is a leader. And I think you, you have to have empathy 
through all levels of the organisation. So I, I, I remember um, in Indonesia one time um, I, I met a new office junior and um, because of my position as president of the company, she went down on one knee and touched my hand to her forehead and I thought, geez, what, what have I done to deserve that? Which was actually nothing. It was the position, right? And that was how they show respect. Well, anyway, that person then grew within the company to head up the payroll for a workforce of 1,200 and 1,300 people. So the, the, the art of good management is let leave what you can leave alone and intervene when you need to intervene to unblock things to allow people to, to progress and run the company for you. Um, I, I never had a PA like in the entirety of my career. I, I always felt that a PA made more work for me because I then had to wait for them to organise stuff, whereas I could just go bang, 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 bang and organise it. I mean, I had people that would book flights and travel and, and that type of stuff. But I never had a PA. Um, if the phone rang, I answered it. It didn't matter if I knew who it was or the number. If I could answer it, I answered it. Because um, I used to say to people all the time, you, you never know because the person on the end of that phone, that could be the best opportunity you've ever had. So take the call and, you know, um, there was a few fortuitous kind of opportunities. Um, you know, I talked about I talked about the big Gosson contract before, but 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 I don't know if I talked about the cable building. So the cable building contract in Indo now, where they run probably up to twenty cables now, knocking in probably one hundred thirty thousand meters a month. Um, that was a two line email, and we jumped all over it, and 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 you know, and I could have easily just said that emails. We're not doing cabotting. We don't. That's not what we do, and could have ignored it. So, so I think as a manager, um, yeah, you, you, you. I'll tell you what I think the biggest flaw in managers is. But I, I think as a manager, you've 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 got to be able to get out of the way and let let people do their job, but give them that uh, guidance of this is where we want to end up. So you don't end up somewhere you don't want to do and have to do it all again. Is that the biggest art, the hands off? Yeah, letting, and look, letting Pete, them run. I know is that, like, do, is that to be one of the biggest skills in itself? I've had a few critics over my career who said I was uh, um, I would micromanage, but I didn't feel that I did. So, but it's hard when you're talking about yourself. You know, how other people perceive you is probably more realistic than how you perceive yourself. But um, you know, I, I know I had a conversation recently with with the guy who took over from me and he, he was talking to some people about managing the international operations and they said, how do you manage the international operations? And he said, oh, I've got a associate director of international operations. I said, yeah, and what else? And he said, no, that's it. Because every site was self-reliant and ran pretty much autonomously. So you can manage a lot of things if you don't burden yourself with making 
the decisions about, you know, what the jumbo operators pay is, for example. You you put in a system, they get X many metres times this amount, that's how well they get paid. You don't have to interfere, mm. right? So the biggest criticism I'd have of a lot of managers is they manage one level down, right? So the foreman behaves like a shift boss. The, the underground manager behaves like a foreman, it's a, and so mine manager behaves like un, so, so on and so forth. And the worst I've seen is in South Africa where you have seven layers up to the top. Um, so, so I think understanding that you've got to get out of that weeds, you've got to get out of the weeds and just provide that over, overview and provide the strategy and the targets, and then when people need a hand, jump in and give them a hand. But don't, um, when I say give, like, you know, maybe, maybe you've you got to do do things for them to help them rather than just say do this and do that, you know. Um, and that's probably where people saw that as micromanagement, where I was, it was me helping to upskill somebody that was working for me so I didn't have to do it again. Mm. What about stress level management throughout your career? Was that a something that it's obviously a massive part, but was it something you got better at, or yeah. were you always good at it, or how do you rate that? No, I wasn't always good at it. Um, it was something I struggled with early days, like um, particularly in, in Gympie, uh, there was a lot of things went wrong there, so you pretty much never get a day off without the phone ringing, something's gone wrong, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, so I didn't handle it very good then, but I was only 24 when I went there, and so I didn't have great anger management skills. Um, and and you, as you age, you get better at that anyway. Um, you know, so I, I went from losing my temper once a day to, probably mid-career once a week to probably towards the end of my career once or twice a year because uh, it doesn't really help and it's not a good role model to set. Um, so I think um, that, that you probably mature and you learn. Um, and I, I kind of lost the thread of the question again, sorry. Oh, just yeah, your stress level. Yeah, well, oh, stress, 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 stress. went from once a week to once a year. Oh, <laughs> so, so the lot of I've had a lot of really, really stressful periods, but particularly around fatalities and yeah. that type of where, where it's you know you you you're not only dealing with the stress of the event and the loss and the trauma, but you also then got to deal with right, we've got to get back on our feet and we've got to get going again because – so they were really – and then you question what you're doing and you question why didn't I do this or why didn't I do that. So I think in those situations it's it helps if you've got a supportive partner and family, which, which I had. Um, but you also got to be pretty decisive and and make decisions to move forward as quick as you can. But the best thing for stress, without a doubt, is physical exercise. And no grog. Doesn't help mm. because you don't sleep as well and you need sleep to recover. Um, and that's a trap that younger managers fall into is that they'll drink too much 
and then they're tired and they're irritable because they're tired. So then you make probably upset people and you make poor decisions. Um, you know, when I felt really, really stressed, um, I would go for a swim or up on the bike or, but I, I always played, um, competitive sport. So that was always an outlet at least mm -hmm. once a week. You know, I played, I played field hockey up until I was nearly 50 and then, and play golf. And while it's not, it's more social than competitive. So it gives you that outlet where you, where you can just kind of download. And I mean, golf, you play a bit of golf, so, you know, sometimes you can uh, get a fair bit of shit off your liver with that little white ball. <laughs> yeah, and, oh, that's something I've got to, um, <laughs> oh, and I said the exact same words to the miss. I'm like, oh, I've just got to get, because competitive sport is, yeah, you got, you've got to do it. Yeah. Right? And you can get stuck in, stuck in this little rut of you but thinking it, you have but, to work every day. Like you've, yeah, got to, you've got to make time. But it's the social fabric. Too mm. social part of it as well because you know I started playing golf regularly probably four or five years ago and every Saturday there was four or five hours where I blocked out that I didn't think about work but I and it wasn't just that I met people that weren't in mining like most of the people that I played with weren't in mining mm. so you meet all these different people from all different walks of life and you, it creates this whole different circle outside of work and and those are the things that when you retire carry on so so that there's a really nice golf family in in the club that i that i'm with and you know we we play golf together we go crabbing together we go on trips away together i'm planning a trip to canada one of our members he's he was working as an expat and he left and he's back in canada now so we're going to do a canadian golf tour yeah, nice. so yeah um so from a those all those things help you deal with stress how do you reckon you balance the husband-father life throughout the career with um, oh. a year in high? Uh, <laughs> you taught you pretty much top management your whole career. How did how did that balance work? Oh, probably, you know, that's probably something I could have done a bit better at. Um, it's funny because you, you, you don't, people, you, your partner wants to, to talk about what's on your mind but I never wanted to talk about it outside of work because I wanted to have a separation between work and home yeah. and you know I think that created a bit of not friction but a bit of maybe that uh, because I wasn't sharing a bit of um, irritability uh, you know and the, the, the classic bloody story that I you know, unforgivable, but I, one day I um, had some people visit from out of town and they said, oh, do you want to come out for dinner? I said, sure. So I rang up my wife and said, um, oh, look, I won't be home for dinner. I'm going out with these blokes. And she said to me, um, so I'll eat my birthday cake on my own. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah, no. So, so I definitely could have done things a bit better. I was only once, I'll gather. You would never have done it again. <laughs> I, I made sure that uh, I had it in not only my diary, but a few other people's <laughs> diaries after that. Uh, but they, I mean, that's unforgivable in, in many respects. But, but look, so easy to do. Yeah, so yeah, easy yeah. to do. And look, my son in law, he was guilty of it the other week, but unfortunately, I reminded him before it got too too bad. Well, that's, yeah, there you yeah. go. Um, 
kids' birthdays, I missed a lot of kids' birthdays. Um, my oldest, I missed probably her first 16. Uh, may, maybe that's an exaggeration. But that sticks in my mind. Uh, I think I went to two or three sporting carnivals over the journey with the kids. Um, so few I can remember them, put it that way. So, yeah, but on but on balance, like, like I said, you, if you work hard to get yourself into a position where you can now put back, into the family and whatnot, it's probably okay. But is, I could have done things better, for is sure. There, is there any other way to do it? But, like, to to be, to get this, as you said, very well-renowned and your managerial mm. and, the, and the performance of the organisations that you manage, is there, is there any other way to, like, you can't physically put more hours into the day besides sleeping less and that has its own issues. Is there is there any other way to perform at that level and, Put more into the family. Oh, probably, um, probably delegate a bit more. I probably could have delegated a bit more. Probably employ a few more people. Yeah. I was always pretty, pretty lean. Always ran pretty lean operation. Um, and That's and the I think the contracting, but isn't it? Uh, well, you know, there's not generally a lot of spare coin as a contractor. It's pretty tight margins, and you don't need many things to go wrong to to lose money. Um, so you try to run lean and you, you try to be efficient and, and, um, so I think, you know, if I'd probably been a bit more liberal with respect to two ICs, three ICs, or that whole management group, maybe that would have helped. But when you're the boss, the buck still stops with you, right? And you could go, I, I got to the point where I wouldn't have more than a week off at a time because the, the, the backlog of work when I got back was just uh, too much, um, and that and again that you know points to the whole micromanagement thing. But there's decisions that only the manager can make, only the managing director can make, um, and and they might be decisions that are about strategy, or they might be decisions about significant financial issues, or significant contractual issues, or things like that. So you can't delegate them all out because at the end of the day, you're responsible. So, you know, if somebody makes a decision that you don't agree with, you're probably going to change it anyway. Mm. So, um, but yeah, the family suffers, yeah. And, and I don't think, I think in any walk of life, any industry, any, uh, you know, it, it, it happens. I think today the whole work-life balance is a lot better across the board. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you, you get paid to do a job, you've got to do your job. So as much as that shouldn't take precedence over family, that's actually what allows you to have a family, if you know what I mean. you you got to earn money to do that. So. Do, you look, do you look back on what you, the positions you held and, Think could could have you done any other? Were well, you always destined to be have the buck stop with you? You could never have uh, settled for anything less. Well, I think um, I won't answer that directly, but I think when you have people working for you and you see the people that will make decisions that aren't necessarily in their box, but they but somebody has to take a lead and make a dis and lead something that isn't isn't you know might not be 
purely financial, but the financial controller might just say, well, I'm happy to sit on that, to run with that, right? Those are the people that inevitably get promoted because they're the people that care and, and are prepared to take the responsibility even when they're not asked to take responsibility. So it's a bit of a natural hand-putting-up type of thing where people don't necessarily mean to do it, but that's their nature, so that's what they do. That's why you're president of the, the golf club because no one else <laughs> wanted to do it. You're just the automatic No, uh, it's not bad. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 well, it's, it's, it's nice in many ways that people right. think, that I'm sort of with the president. I think it's not a big club, right? <laughs> <laughs> and there's, I've got to tell you, there's not a lot of cultural diversity. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's nice that people think you, you can, even in that context, that, that you're suitable to do that. So, And I'd only been there like probably two years when when I got the tap on the shoulder and said, would you, would you be, be the president? So however it happens, I don't know. What was the last one? Well, the first week when you did retire, did did time just slow down? Like, what was it like when you you didn't have to get up at whatever ungodly hour and be away Monday to Friday and managing thousands of people? Um, I think the first week you're still in very much work mode, so you, so you probably don't give yourself the opportunity to. Think think about it, but I, I think when I really started to realise that it was really very different was when I'm out in the boat crabbing with my mate, and and I think I said, oh, I, I can't believe how good I feel, and, and he said, well, it's it's the lack of stress, and I said, you're probably right, and then he said, it's like the you put the frog in the cold water and you slowly bring it to the boil, and the frog doesn't realise that it's been boiled to death, right? Because you adjust and you adjust and you adjust. And you only really notice it when you don't have that anymore. And and, and I just felt fantastic. <laughs> I felt and and it wasn't like um I didn't have this great compunction to you know travel or sleep in or, or do anything a whole lot different, but just um try and make sure that I was had enough to keep me occupied that I didn't didn't get bored. And I'm happy to report nearly a year on I'm, I think I was bored for two hours one day. <laughs> yeah, and, then, well, and, then, and then I wrote a poem or something. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, well now, now you've got the outlet. Well as you said, once you once you articulated your, your list of things you got going yeah. on at the moment um yeah there's not even much time to be bored in retirement but they're all as you said they're all positive things all lot yeah so, and look. and you know my oldest daughter she she needs a bit of help so i've been able to help her a lot more this year and yeah. um, that's been really nice as well really rewarding yeah oh sensational it'd be good it'd be good if every retiree could have such a positive uh view on it and way out as you had unfortunately they not all of them do but um, no i mean i'm lucky lucky that lucky that i could earn good money, lucky that I could. I was in a position, you know, where stable uh, marriage and a stable home environment, stable relationships, you know, I mean, I feel for guys that have been married 20 years and then get divorced and half of what they've worked for is gone and, um, you know, and that's not that's not saying that that's not how it should be. That's it. 
absolutely how it should be because you can't do it on your own. It's a partnership. But but then they've kind of got to start again, you know. Mm. And um, I feel for a lot of those guys. Um, you know, a really good mate of mine, he, he, he doesn't even talk to his kids, his first kids and their kids. And... Um, from a really nasty broken marriage and so you've got to have a bit going for you you know uh to be able to get there so luck and a bit of good management i think the uh a stable marriage will outperform the share market every day of the week off <laughs> off figure that's uh one of the best investments you can make in life to keep yeah. keep that together that's um because yeah. it can cost you a lot both financially and emotionally you just as you said you've seen it all too many times yeah. And on both sides, the husband, wives, like, yeah. Yeah, uh, and look, we can get a bit insular and just get focused on what we're doing and forget that there's more than yourself in, in the equation. Um, and I was certainly did, I was guilty of that a lot. Uh, pretty, pretty driven and motivated and tend not to let distractions in. So, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I asked my wife if she'd come on, but she said she wouldn't. So <laughs> I'm sure if you got her perspective, I was an absolute prick there for a while, but um, end of the day, it's all, all good now. Oh, well, kudos for her for not taking that 50%. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> she probably would have got a lot more yeah. <laughs> with the kids, you know. So, yeah. yeah. No, oh, thanks, Buzz. Well, cheers for bloody uh, offering a bit of reflection. Yeah, no worries uh, no, at all. good. Good. And consider it. Um, consider therapy done for the day. I appreciate so. being asked, mate. And good luck with your your new uh, direction in life, mate. See how we go. As I said, won't I try? Okay. Uh, we're about to find out. Okay. Good on you, mate. Happy New Year, Buzz. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks mate. mate.